Okay, here we go for the first college coffee talk of 2024. Pearl and Andy Lockwood. Hello, people. Good morning. Hello, welcome. Happy New Year. I have cappuccino. What do you have? I have cappuccino. Cheers. All right. So hopefully you're enjoying something nice to drink. Preferably not an alcoholic beverage. Too early the day for that for most people, but we don't judge. So um, today we're going to be talking about the changes to the FAFSA, which I'm calling the FAFSA apocalypse. Um, there's been all sorts of delays and uh, weird things that, that you have to cope with. Pearl files approximately 400, uh, helps our clients, I should say, file approximately 400 FAFSAs per year. And this is a real opportunity to ask her some some questions and hear from her you know kind of live and in the trenches about what's going on um not only is pearl an expert on financial aid but she is the uh the, the leading dark horse candidate to take over the presidency of harvard university so i want to <laughs> congratulate you on on that it's, we haven't announced that yet but this is breaking news so um congratulations thank you so many comments have come to my head but not many i'm going to say aloud so i will just leave it as um, did you write your own comments or are they someone else's comments uh, that you're going to misattribute to yourself i would never misattribute and i would never uh, misappropriate someone else's work without giving due credit okay so we'll um, see if that makes me ineligible for that spot <laughs> all right so if you have questions and comments put them right in the the chat i'm going to try to um, get on Facebook here as we speak. Uh, so Pearl, why don't you describe a little bit about the waiting room and the delays and like what's some of the boring stuff. Right. So this is sort of, right. We've gone, we've discussed many of the actual substantive changes of the new rollout of the 2425 FAFSA changed many things like there's no longer the EFC, the expected family contribution, it's now called SAI, your student aid index, but it essentially is a similar mechanism that is spit out, a number is spit out after the submission of the FAFSA, which supposedly has nothing to do with the eligibility, but of course it, it is used by each school to determine your eligibility. Um, anyway, so some of the actual technical differences and what I've noticed now that I have filed some FAFSAs already, the 24-25 FAFSA. Um, I would say one of the most eye-opening is parents nor graduate students are required to enter any of their income information. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? Remains to Sorry, be seen. I, I, you know, it was a little bit stunning because the bulk of, of what you're assessed on is in fact your income. That has the highest factor in this computation determining your eligibility for aid, but you don't, it's kind of like, you know, those open kitchens when you, when you go to a restaurant and you have the open kitchens and you can see how clean everyone's hands are and how kept back everyone's hair is and the ingredients they're using, the cleanliness of the kitchen, et cetera. And then you're relieved when you see your meal is sort of a product of that clean kitchen then there's then there are places where you don't get to see any of that you don't see how the sausage is made and you just get a packaged result 
That is essentially what's happened now with the FAFSA. Before, Let me say two things. Number one, congratulations on going three minutes before you put your first food analogy into one of our webinars. That's, that she's known for Thank that, you. which is great. Number two, as someone who's you know growing up, worked in all kinds of kitchens, you, you, once you do that, you never want to ever eat out again. Or you, or you, have, you have to turn a, a willful blindness eye mm -hmm. away from it. Yeah. But um, even you know in the in the under the old FAFSA rules, yeah. where you would. Um, dump in your income information through this transfer thing. Yep. You you wouldn't see the the income. Right. In most cases. So in the past, here here's a this is tremendous. In the past, when it came time to enter income information in the FAFSA, you had two options. Either you would, and the preferred and recommended option was always to select utilizing the IRS DRT the Internal Revenue Service data retrieval tool, which would enable you to port your already submitted tax information to the IRS into your FAFSA. And when you when you would do it that way, it would just it wouldn't tell you show you numbers on the other side, but it would show you transferred by the IRS, transferred by the IRS. But there were still a, a few, in spite of that transfer, additional questions regarding your income source from your income tax and w-2s that are still asked uh, under the old rules in fafsa and the other option would be that you would manually take your tax return and enter your information because sometimes the irs drt didn't work now under the new fafsa you don't put any income information in fact just after you log in as the parent and i'll get to that in a minute it asks you first only for your consent to your consenting to having all of your tax information that you have submitted to FAFSA uh, to uh, the IRS as the Department of Education sees fit to utilize and disseminate to the school you're applying to, etc. If you fail to give that consent, one, you are ineligible for aid. Period. End of story. Really, it says it right there in black and white. So you are forced to give this consent. And once you give that consent, your tax information seamlessly is put right in there and you don't even see what has been transported. So, you just, so what do you do if there's a mistake? Unfortunately, it is only January 3rd. So I, at this juncture, I have only seen the submission of the FAFSA, the submission of some FAFSA. Normally when you have a parent involved, it's gonna submit, and it's going to say that your FAFSA is under review before it is completed processing and before you get a number, get that SAI. But if you're a grad student, then you're able to submit and immediately, even if you file the tax return, instantly you get an SAI that... Have you, have you told people what SAI is? A student aid index, yes. I mentioned it earlier. Okay. Um, so many acronyms. So it's... it's Basically, I look at this this change. I know it seems like, well, what's the difference? You checked it off in the in the other one, and here you just checking it off, and you just don't see that they're doing it. But it's it's really a transfer of a lot of control, is what I'm seeing here. You're basically, you know, taking a leap of faith that they're going to transfer all the correct information, and it's all going to be correct, and somehow they're going to. I mean, less of a concern when you have a CSS profile requiring school because you have more control and you've given more information that you're aware of here with like FAFSA only schools you really don't see what income information is being relied on 
So my guess, and you can contradict me or, or amplify uh, as you see fit, my guess is that once you receive what, what they still call the student aid report, which should take a few days to a week, well, oh, then, then you should be able to get a sense of what was transferred in. You may mm -hmm. not actually see the numbers though. Right. But if, you, if, you, if you're looking at your student aid index, you know, which used to be the EFC, and you're like, wow, this is really high, that's either just the way it is, or there's some mistake. Right. So, so then what do you do? If it's a mistake, how do you double check that? At this juncture, because again, I don't see yet proof of what, you know, in the, in the past, you were always able to click onto the student aid report, the actual, all the information that was actually given yeah. to the school to make sure there were no mistakes, because in the past, there have been mistakes. Um, yes, even through porting everything over. Things happen. Things are systems are not perfect, but um, I imagine there will be a similar record of what's been filed, so that you will be able to address and examine any potential mistakes. All right. So, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the new FAFSA. There's uh, sixty-something people on with us, uh, so thank thank you for joining us. And um, Pearl. What, what about before? Like, so, you know, you, you've been having a hard time in the waiting room. You wait right. to log on. Okay. Talk about some of the so, logistical stuff. When you log on to the FAFSA site, which is found at studentaid.gov, uh, when you first log on, it's going to tell you that the there is this is a very busy time of year, as if you didn't know that, for the FAFSA, and you're going to be waiting <laughs> in a waiting expect, room. Right? Isn't it like unusually high right. volume? Which, right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, of course it is. It's January 3rd, and the FAFSA got out. It came out two days ago. Surprise. Anyway, um, you're going to sit in a rain. I've sat in a wait, a virtual waiting room for you know close to 40 minutes in some instances where you're just waiting and waiting and it actually does something kind of nasty like every 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 60 seconds or so it'll flash as though you're being entered into the main room but then it just goes back to the waiting room um so you're going to have to contend with that i i imagine that will the waiting time to actually log in and use this uh department of education site for the fafsa will get easier as time goes on but be patient and remember before you panic, everyone is under the same constraints. So you got to remember that if you start to panic. Well, and that's going to be easier said than done. I'm just uh, just predicting that because your colleges have come out with you know quote unquote deadlines to file your your FAFSA, but it's just not available right right now. It's in the uh, the, the soft launch, right? Right, and and there are these dumb messages that say, oh, due to unexpected volume or more volume than we expected, which you know come on right um, there's going to be more delays so like pearl said if you are stressed out about not making a deadline chances are you've got hundreds of thousands of other families in the same boat as as you it's at least thousands of families in the same boat and it, and definitely each college understands what what is happening by the way this is just a side note here i'm gonna you know this, this is really a, a chance to hear from pearl about you know what you know about what takes a file a fafsa but behind the scenes with colleges they too are struggling because this is a totally new system for them the software that they're using is new it's been up you know first time it's been upgraded since the 1980s they're understaffed and under trained and they're scrambling around also so that's another thing to keep in mind not only in terms of delays but in terms of possible mistakes 
that get made in the financial aid offers once they actually come from the colleges. They don't come from FAFSA. They don't come from anything else. They come from the colleges themselves. So there's other things you need to be mindful of and, and question. Don't just accept any information you get from the student aid report from the FAFSA. Don't just accept any awards you get. You should always probe and see if there's any more money that's available or maybe there's some mistake that was made. Right. And along those lines, another um, thing I've noticed as, as something they're bringing to the forefront of your attention on the FAFSA is um, an affirmative notation right in the beginning that they're advising you to check the state deadlines, um, the FAFSA deadlines for your in-state, for the state that you live in, because they all vary and the FAFSA is often used even though it's used for you determining your federal aid, it's also used for determining your state aid, but all the states have different deadlines. So they're asking you to really make sure to check your state deadlines as well for, for that uh, potential source of aid. Which by the way, are usually far different than your actual individual college deadlines. Mm -hmm. So you may be sort of misdirected to look at state deadlines those are always, almost always far later than, right. than your actual college That's deadlines. Right. So as long as you adhere to your college priority deadlines, then you're going to meet all of your other deadlines. Uh, something else new, not super interesting, but um, in the past you could always access your FAFSA account or your FSA ID with an email and or a cell phone. Now you're also able to with a government-issued photo ID. Um, okay, new to the FAFSA. While there's no place still to provide any written explanation of your circumstances that cannot otherwise be explained on the FAFSA, there is an option to select yes or no as to whether you have circumstances that prevent the student from contacting the parents or in some way would the students contacting parents pose any kind of risk to that student. You this question is now being asked affirmatively of every student. Um, so too, there is a spot where, okay, if that's not the case, but you have parents that are unwilling to, as I've discussed now, provide that consent that's needed entirely to be eligible for federal aid. Um, so there's also, you have to, the student needs to affirmatively answer if they have parents that are unwilling to participate. And again, if they are unwilling, the this the reason they're asking this, it's again, you're not eligible, but it would um, signal to the school as to determine what potential direct unsubsidized loan possibilities there would be just for that student. Another um, of information on the new FAFSA, they're, they're letting everyone know that you're supposed to look at the end of January as the time when your FAFSA information is going to be sent to your schools, not before then. So again, for everybody who's worried that the FAFSA is now available and they haven't submitted it yet or it's taking too long to get on the site, none of the information, not even for anyone who submitted at the stroke of midnight on New Year's, None of that FAFSA information is being transmitted to the schools until the end of January, period. It says it right in there. Um, okay, so I would say, again, the biggest 
Uh, oh, okay. Another another little interesting thing <clears throat> that was new to the FAFSA is they ask you if you're if the student is pursuing a teaching certification at the elementary or secondary level. That's a first. I have never seen a question about what a student is pursuing in any way before. Uh, <clears throat> it could be about uh, down the line with loans and forgiveness. Right, exactly. That is exactly what I was thinking because they do make mention that this consent that's needed for the FAFSA to be eligible for federal aid, you also have to give such consent for some of the, for all of the income-based loan repayment plans that are possible. This is just going a little, little off, off here, but um, you're able to borrow as a student and as a parent to cover the college expense. And <clears throat> you're able to defray paying those costs until six months after graduation, at which point you'll have to start making repayments. And there are many income-based repayments that afford families much lower monthly payments potentially on that repayment that is also in order to participate in a plan like that you're also going to have to give this consent of access basically a lot of consenting yeah did you get into also emails no did you get into the race and ethnicity and all that stuff not yet so they they are this was a change that was made last year and continued again this year they're asking affirmatively for you to identify what race you are but there is always an option for you to say prefer not to answer. Also, your sexual orientation. Um, well, what is the best race and sexual orientation to get more money? I'm going to consider that a rhetorical question and move on. I just want to know. We've got people who want to know. Right. Okay. Um, There's a lot of questions coming in. Are there? All right. Let's get to some of the questions. None as stupid as the one I just asked you about. <laughs> these, are, these are good questions. Let's hear um, Okay, Heather Rogers, does the student need to do the data uh, transmission, DRT also, data retrieval tool also? If they're an undergraduate student, they no, the answer is no, there is no data retrieval tool for the, the undergraduate student, but yes, they knew, do need to provide that same consent. The, the parent also has to give consent and the graduate student also gives consent. Um, the undergraduate student who has income, though, will actually enter their income information in the FAFSA, unlike the parent and the grad student. Good. All right. So this is a good time if you have questions to pop them in. I'm going to be reading them off here. Also, I just, this is another, sorry, but this is important. The other thing that's happened with the new iteration of the FAFSA is they have, I guess, nice way of saying it would be they've streamlined, but again, with this consent and with every, it's very individualistic instead of like this being a family's information, which it is still, but the, the student literally fills out the student portion, has no access to the parent portion. And then the parent has only access to the parent's information and is only instructed to answer their parent's information, never the twain show me. Well, it's a pain in the butt, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, as you pointed out to me yesterday, it's less easy to confuse That's true. assets held by a parent versus assets held by the students because that, that's always been a big problem. Right. That's right. right. Yes. Okay. So that's, a, that's a plus. All right. Question from uh, Tara. Spellman Governali. Is there a spot on for displaced worker like on the old form? 
uh, no, but they identify that yes, they're going to get that information potentially when they take this, tra- you know, the IRS information, possibly again, or, or unemployment. Um, but if it's re- recent and new information, maybe this, this, um, job loss did not happen. That's exactly the type of information they're, they're letting you know in the FAFSA, you can say, yes, I had such a circumstance, special, special circumstance. You will indicate yes, but that's it. There's at that time, what you'll do thereafter is subsequent to your filing the FAFSA, you will then follow up and notify the financial aid office of the schools you're applying to what that change in circumstances. Got it. All right, Adam Fisher, if you have two kids in college, do you file the FAFSA twice? You file the FAFSA in the name of each student. So yes. So yes, but you're not, it's two different FAFSAs. It's one in the name of each student, kind of okay. like your fingerprint. Everyone has their own. Right, so you're not filing, you are filing the FAFSA twice, but not identical. That's right. Yeah, okay. Two separate filings. Yes. Uh, Katie sounds a little frustrated here uh husband is trying to create the fsa id Mm -hmm. and after entering the address nothing happens nothing but then we got a response from uh nikki tune which to to her that says uh, she called this morning about the exact issue they said do not enter the address or other contact info and then you can proceed this worked for me once i was set up i went back and updated my contact info this also worked so so that's another glitch that yeah right good good for you nikki for doing that yeah and um i guess you haven't encountered that that Mm -hmm. yeah that's 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 not surprising though it seems yeah you back into these things that way unfortunately eventually eventually maybe april uh, all right, Carol Aruda, uh, my child logged in and got a message that the soft launch is only available to some, not including her. She's left out. Um, I recommend clear cookies, log back in on a, another time. It's really just it's like, working out its kinks and cobwebs. It's like but rushing just, a, a sorority. You can, you know, you've got to be chosen to, to apply for money. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep trying. Just just go on to the site another time. All right. Allison, I'm not going to try to say your last name. There's a lot of consonants there. Um, I experienced the same thing with the FSA ID after the address. It does not process. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikki gave a nice workaround, which was yeah. terrific. Right. So I would recommend just cell phone and email and your name information only. Okay. Uh, stay Calabrese. Uh, each child should have their own FSA ID. I yes. Answer that. And parent. Correct. And parent. Good. Scrolling. Gloria is uh, Ayala. Is the age limit still 26 years old? 24. Where the student must provide parents information. Can you not interrupt Stacey? I knew what the question was. We're not playing Jeopardy. We just blurt things out. She's a big Jeopardy blurter. Is, let me re- rephrase this. Is the age limit still 26 years old? where the student must provide parents' info if the student is not married or has children? Meaning, are they independent? Right, I know. If if the student is 24 years old or older, they're independent, or if that's, and or if that student has graduated undergraduate and is pursuing a graduate degree, even if they're under 24, they are considered independent at the graduate level. All right. Tara had a comment here, Tara Gabernali, but taxes are from a year ago. Well, they're actually from two years ago, two years ago right. prior, prior. 
So if you have someone who's graduating this year, 24, the taxes are from? 22. Yep. Um, Melissa Koska, I have a divorce in process and a big drop in W-2 income from 22 to 23. Am I better to file the FAFSA married now or wait till divorce finalizes later in January? How much of an income drop warrants appeal aside from the divorce? So that's a couple of questions. Okay. Um, it's certainly, you have two different issues of appeal here without question. You would within the FAFSA, again, whatever your actual circumstance, whatever is true as of the day you're going to file this. If you're separated, then you're separated. If you're divorced, you're divorced. If you're married, then you're married. Either way, it's the 2022 tax return that you're going to use. And, well, again, you're not providing the information. It's really just your, your status. Actually, it doesn't even get that far. It is going to use your 22 information, period, end of story. And then so no you are going to indicate, there's not, no point in waiting. You're going to do it immediately. You're going to select, yes, you have some changes in unusual circumstances, okay? Special. Special circumstances. And then once your FAFSA is submitted, you will have to look on the website of each school your student has applied to and see how they want you to address that special circumstance and appeal. Often schools on their own site will have a form that they would like you to complete. They will all have a process. Now, that was one of the other changes for this year. All of the schools have to have some process by which, affirmative process, by which they are going to consider special circumstances. It doesn't mean they're going to consider and honor them and change your award, but they have to have a process by which they're Protocol. going to consider it. Yeah. Right. So and in, terms, in terms of the question about how much you know, do you need to drop, it's, it's not really about the drop, it's about what your actual income is. So it's on a pro forma basis, assuming you're the right, this is something you didn't bring up, but assuming you're the right person to file the FAFSA, because that rule changed also. So in a divorce situation, the person who files the FAFSA is the one who has provided the most support to the child. Yes. So assuming, because that's, that's new, it used to be the one that the, the the parent that the kids live with most of the time. Right. So assuming that you are the right person to file the FAFSA because you, in fact, provide the most support to your child. Financial support. Financial support, right, not emotional, not emotional. or physical. <laughs> not propping them up. <laughs> um, then then everything Pearl said uh, pertains to you. So if you have questions about that, lob, lob them in because that's kind of a, an important uh, issue. Um, Gloria Ayala, uh, what's the max amount? that a student may qualify for. So sure. that, that varies from college to college. Okay, but um, the, the amount that they can borrow each year is uh, in undergrad is uh, prescribed. It's 5,500 in the freshman year. This well, is loans, borrowing. Loans. loans. Yeah. These are just loans, right. Qualifying. So, two, so hold on, so there's two answers. In terms of free money, there's no maximum uh, other than the total cost to go there. And that's gonna vary from college to college. Right. In terms of loans, there are statutory limits, which Pearl was talking about. Exactly, and those are fifty-five hundred at the freshman level, sixty-five hundred as a sophomore. Meaning, those are the loans that the student can get in his or her own name, and then the parent can borrow the rest as needed, and you know, specified dollar amount up to the cost of attendance for that year, as determined by the school. Anyway, $7,500 is the amount in junior year, and $7,500 is the amount in senior year as well. And if you're a parent and you need to borrow, you can borrow the maximum 
amount, the total cost of tuition, less any other aid that, that's been received in a plus on parent loan for undergraduate students, which you're not asking about, but we get a lot of questions about that. All right, Nikki Toon, can I transfer ownership of my kid's 529 to another relative and then not be required to report it as a parent asset? Yes. Yes. Gary Heller, long-time listener, not first-time caller. Happy New Year, Gary. Uh, for a student to enter their income information if they did not file a tax return, do they need to file a copy of the W-2 or 1099, um, et cetera? It'll depend on the particular school because some schools that also require CSS will also require your underlying tax documents. But for the FAFSA, I would say it's unlikely because you're still giving that consent which if there's nothing been filed, then that also would be on record. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, only if they file the return, I guess, would there be something dumped in eventually? Yep. Yeah, okay. Um, well, it's not eventually, it's done automatically, okay. and automatically I'm seeing like a number. Okay. So it's pretty instant. All right, scary. Yeah. Um, it's scary what you're not seeing. It is, well, that, that's that was more, that's what more struck concerning. me. That yeah. is what really struck me, I was like, Really? Yeah. Wow. All right. Anna Fisher says, thank you. Uh, okay. Wendy Asher, my daughter filed, filled out the entire form, but did not sign yet. When she tried to go back into the form to edit something, there does not appear to be any possibility to do anything but sign. So then she should just sign it and submit she, it. Without editing. Then she can correct it later. She's saying she could make corrections to it. What kinds of, I mean, there's really nothing substantive outside i mean you could there's probably a place where you can re redo well, your fafsa and start it, it over could be the checking balance or something she could put the wrong number yeah there i would think you just click on the left hand side there are stages i think you just click on another stage you'd like to go back to and edit and my guess is if you can't figure that out just go ahead and file it and then you can correct it that's true uh, okay okay um Divorced parents and parent on disability, what are, what are the changes, if any? You want to talk about the divorce? So, well, well, let's talk about the disability first because we haven't talked about that right. yet. Um, I don't know if the rules really changed for, for disability, although if you're receiving income, that's not considered uh, income on the FAFSA, I, I believe, which is like workman's comp. Mm -hmm. That's not, it's no longer um, an ad back. something you get penalized for. Again, that's all invisible now behind the scenes. So. So right. that's, but that's the rule. Right. And for divorce families, what we're talking about before is who is the one that should file and it's the parent who provides the most financial support. That does that's not right. mean, like you pointed this out before, it does not mean necessarily that, that it's the parent who declares the right. kid's dependent, right? Right. That certainly could be an indication of, and in line with the fact that that's the parent who provided yeah. the most financial support, but it is not absolutely de facto done deal. So it's important to look at that critically before you decide who the custodial parent is. Yeah, I mean, I would think nine times out of 10, that's the right person who, who declares mm -hmm. the kid as a dependent. Because that's the policy behind the IRS, having a parent as opposed to the other parent declare that student child. Um, but if you're in the process of finalizing a separation agreement or a settlement agreement or something, you know, I, these are issues that most divorce attorneys don't understand. So it's so new. That's not their fault. It's just, it's just no. Uh, Michelle Delutri says, don't file till the end of January. All the kinks need to get worked out. 
you know, except we don't know when they're going to get worked out. Right. Um, but it's not. I usually do say that. Yeah. Um, Lana, try. I know I'm not doing, saying these things right. Sorry. Let's go with uh, first names. <laughs> Lana M. Is it best to wait a week or two before for before applying to the FAFSA since there's so many problems with it? Yeah. Um, Iris Bastone. Hello, Iris. Hi, old, Iris. Old neighbor. She's not old. She's I'm friends. Yeah. Young, but former neighbor. Uh, we skipped we skipped town out of her neighborhood. Um, if a, each parent and student have their own ID, do I fill out the FAFSA form out under the parent ID or the student? You're going to have to log in with both separately. So I would tackle the students first, have the student log in first, and then within that student part of the FAFSA, there's going to be a place for the student to provide the parent email who's then going to get an invitation from the Department of Education to complete their end of things. Got it. So then Double you, the fun. So then you log in separately with the parent FSA ID and complete that portion. Once both portions are completed, the FAFSA's completed. All right, Teresa Oosterbahn. When my kids were little, we do not have a 529 set up for them. As gifts, my mom gave us savings bonds, which double in value in 20 years. Do we need to supply this information on the FAFSA? It is a grandparent FAFSA, uh, 529? It was a non-529. It was a gift to the kids. It's in the kids' names. It's the kids. Yeah. Long so to the kids. Yes, you need to disclose it value as of today or as of the day of you file. All right. Heather. Heather Rogers, a very sharp question. You get question of the day. So you have that going for you. Wow. How can the parent that supplies the most in a divorce? How can the parent that supplies the most support be proven? I think that's in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. Right. I would just decide which is and know what your argument is so that if it's questioned, you can say, well, because of this, this, and this. While I'm getting this in terms of child support, that's true. I also do all of this, 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 and this, if that's you know the case. Whatever it is, just get your facts straight. Understand that the litmus test is who provided more financial support, and that's a broad definition, in the last 12 months. All right. Student. Katie uh, and Swiper wants to know the maximum for the Pell. Things like it's seven thousand bucks now. It's, it's, it's up there. Yeah, six eight hundred or seven two hundred somewhere somewhere around there. Just just look it up. Um, the federal is free money, and Stafford is a student loan. Correct. Well, that's from that's from Stay. Um, the Pell Grant. The word Grant means it's free, and anything else. Sometimes it's called a loan or a direct loan or a Stafford loan or something like that. Basically, anything that doesn't say the word grant is a loan. You have to pay it back. Gary Hellish is Happy New Year. Nice. Hope you're doing well, Gary. Uh, Nikki Toon, what's the dollar amount of student assets that are sheltered or ignored for this year's filing? I don't think student it's any. None. Yeah. Um, Stacy, uh, Stay Calabrese, you, you get penalized for being disabled. Sorry, I misunderstood. No, you don't get penalized for being disabled. You um, you used to get penalized for receiving workers' compensation, but no, you don't. You no longer do. All right. Somehow I lost the comments. Let me go back. Okay. 
Carol Aruda, are parent plus loans based on debt to income ratio? In other yeah. words, how do you get a parent plus loan? How are they underwritten? Okay. So what if a parent is ineligible? Okay. So the parent plus loan is a unique loan in that there is no debt to income ratio analysis when applying for it. It is a there's, there's hardly any underwriting. It's basically an entitlement. I mean, um, that's the exactly. If you're a parent and you are credit worthy and credit worthy in terms of the parent plus loan means basically you don't have a recent bankruptcy, recent foreclosure or recent tax lien. Those are the three things that will typically make one ineligible. But not always. But not always. But but this generally, means, generally. I've seen so Pearl work. It's magic. It's a yes, no proposition when applying. You know, you put your information in, social security number, et cetera. And again, no debt to income analysis. It'll be, and you can borrow for 20000 or you can say it, the number doesn't matter. You're either borrowing up to the entire cost of attendance. It's just a yes, no proposition. Your credit passes or it doesn't. Click of a button. Yes, you pass. Great. That's what you can borrow, et cetera, and so forth. If it comes back ineligible, basically it says you are required and unable to approve your loan, you will need to obtain an endorser. An endorser is a person who is willing to co-sign your parent loan in and step up in, in your shoes in the event that you fail to pay. This person also does not need to be income worthy or have any income debt to income uh, analysis, but they will have to be credit worthy. It could be, you know, an 89 year old parent who whatever, but as long as they are credit worthy and willing to co-sign, that is how you would um, get over the hurdle if found ineligible for the Parent PLUS loan. So the good news is it's incredibly easy to get all the money you possibly need to pay for college within a matter of like right. seconds, like 90 seconds. The bad news is it's incredibly easy to borrow all the money you could possibly need to pay for college. Right. And it's bad news because you're going to have to pay back. Although there are some, you know, advantageous repayment plans that Pearl is also very well versed in, we have to do that workshop. Okay. Uh, so that that'll be another webinar we do. Right, um, and with those, I mean, there's a lot of like kicking the can down the road there with yeah. with the parent loan and the student loan. There's no payments that are required until six months after graduation. It's like when you're applying as for a student who's except, a freshman, it's a four and a half year. Yeah, except that interest will accrue on most of that's the right. Time. So that's right. Anyway, um, you can take a breath. Because you will be able to come with the money, the money you need to pay for yeah. college, but not a huge deep breath because you're going to have to repay it uh, right. in, in most cases. Okay. All right. Um, Michelle DeLutri, did did my current junior information transfer over? Or do we have to redo it in the new system? Should have transferred you, over. You need to file. Oh, are you going to have to repopulate everything from last year? Most of your, you know, information should be there when starting a new FAFSA, but you have to apply each year. You have to submit new FAFSA and new loan paperwork for the year that then follows. Yeah, new loan paperwork. By the way, that's the thing that people right. sometimes assume it happens FAFSA automatically. is the prerequisite for loans, and every year those two things have to happen for the following year if you want aid. All right, Don Parsons, when getting child support for two children, a lump sum per month, do you report the whole sum or just try or just half for one child um, and applying as, a, as an asset? It's not specified 
in the decree how much is for each child specifically. Right. Um, you understand that? That's a good. That's a great nuance. Is it even reported? Because they are. I do know that they're as I have not. I have not tackled that yet on this year's FAFSA. Yeah. But I do know that they're asking for the first time now specifically what 529 amount is allotted for the. I'm sorry. The, what amount is child support for that student? Okay. In addition to what is for that family. So I would cover that. Right. Okay. Um. Let's see, Melissa Costco. Are any parent assets sheltered? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. That hasn't changed, but that's a separate presentation. So, uh, but everything's the same. We'll, we'll do another presentation on that. Yeah. Um, Amber Harness, do you have to add an asset such as farmland? If so, how do you add by acreage, or how does that work? It's really about fair market value. Right. right? It's going to be your your value minus your debts. Okay. Adam Fisher, we already have a FAFSA account for my college sophomore daughter. Please remind me how we create a new one for mm -hmm. my son who's applying sure. for college right now. You'll go to studentaid.gov, which is the same place where you'd find the FAFSA and the loan site, et cetera. It's all housed at studentaid.gov. And then uh, should say your FAFSA or create FSA ID. Type in the search window FSAID and you'll be navigated from there. Uh, Katie Unsweiler, is there a parent plus loan? Does that impact credit? Um, it does show up in your credit report. Yeah. Right, right now, for people who re, who are not repaying their loans but should be, there is an on ramp. That's yes. what the Biden yep. Harris administration calls it, where it's supposedly not uh, going to be a negative impact on your right. credit. Right. That is correct. But in general, it, it is part yep. of, part of your credit. Um, That's until September 24. Until September is the on-ramp program, yeah. okay. which means you're not going to be penalized. Casey Ray. Pay. Okay, moving along. Casey Ray, my daughter is saving money for college. She's got $6,000. This is in her bank account. And you you put this on Facebook? Um, how, how will that affect possibly any recommendations? Yeah, generally money in your kid's name penalizes you more. It's not going to be a big deal, but you don't want it in your kid's name, anywhere but your kid's name. So it's better if it's in, in your name. Um, Michelle Delutri, can a grandparent take a PPL, sole PPL? A parent plus loan? Grandparent? No. No. I'm thinking like the COVID paycheck protection. Right, I know. Yeah, funny. Uh, Leo Lepore, um, with the new FAFSA, how are business assets being treated, specifically right. rental uh, properties? Well, the rental properties, that hasn't changed. Well, okay, that's not true. Um, it is going to be, with respect to businesses, it's going to be the value of the business minus the debts owed against it currently. Yeah. And again, value is somewhat somewhat subjective or defensible, no different than the arguing which parents applied more financial support. You gotta just make your case. All right, Teresa uh, Usterman, I forgot to mention at the beginning, she attached my social security number to those EE savings bonds, this is the grandmother, mm -hmm. even though she put the child's name on bond. Eventually she put their social security number on them, but the first had mine. Yeah, it's, it's the child asset. Yeah. Okay. Um, some answers. Child support is reported. Yep. Um, 
do we file each year from Michelle Delutri? Yes. Only if you want money. Um, Janet Nussbomber. Yep. You might be related to uh, our, our in-laws. Um, with an extra ER though. Exactly. Uh, if you receive Social Security money, do you have to need to file to fill out the FAFSA? Yes. Yeah, if you want money. Only if you want money. Um, uh, Caserta Farmer, sorry, I think I missed this, but I'm a first-time applier. Are there there are two parts of the FAFSA: parent portion and student portion? Yes. And I need an FSE ID for both myself and the student. Which yes. is to set up first? Doesn't matter. Same time. Okay. Gary Heller uh, commenting on my uh, my T-shirt. It's actually the law school. I don't know if you can see it on the screen. Bonus points if anyone okay, can yeah. figure can name the illusion that the shirt is. I'm all giggly about it. I hope someone can. I'm sure someone. someone I'm can. sure someone. Come on, like listeners. We got like 83 people here. Someone's gonna be able to source the the, the reference here. Um, if grandparent has full custody, can they? I think fill out a plus line. Yeah, I, th I think if you're the custodial, um, the custodian, right? If you was the parent, have the household. Right. Um, Michelle Delutri complimenting you on deciphering PPL. She does a lot of puzzles. Pearl's very good at that type of thing. Constantly stretching her brain. Um, and she makes a great frittata. Thought that was important to say. We're almost at the end here. Car Carol Green, we have two kids, but only one 529 with the intent to use it for both. Um, should I split this now? I don't think it matters, does it? Uh, Candace Carr, in your expert opinions, do you think these changes may trickle down to some changes on the CSS? Thoughts on that? Uh, anything's possible so far, we don't see that, right? Right. I saw a couple of schools this year that did not traditionally require the CSS profile now require the CSS profile, perhaps because they don't want to rely on less information, they would like more information, uh, which the CSS certainly provides. Katie Ernstweiler, parent plus known eligibility, parents with full custody, grandparents, aunts, fosters, etc. You've got to look very specifically at the eligibility, who is eligible, but it's generally the person who's in charge of the kids who has who has um, custody, even if they're technically not the parent, but you've got to be very careful. Right? Right. Only actually in terms of grandparents, unless unless that grandparent has legally adopted that dependent student. Even if they have primary responsibility, they're not able to obtain a plus line. Even if they've adopted the kid? No, no. Only if they've only. adopted the kid. Okay. Not just, I'm responsible for. Right. Right. Out of the goodness of my heart. Right. And guilt toward my own kids. Um, all right. Gloria Ayala, if a family potentially has a grandparent coming to live with them in August, should the grandparent be added in the household on the application? Well, that's, that's really an IRS uh, question for your accountant, but it sounds like yes. Well, and if it's something that's going to happen, no, if you're filing with FAFSA now. Well, okay. You want to deal with Eventually, present information. Yes. Yeah. Right, but just, just to be clear here, and this goes to appeals too, word of advice, schools don't care about what's going to happen. They want to know what's happening now. They are not interested that you are speculating about retiring next year. It's not going to move the needle. So whatever you're providing to the financial aid office in the way of a change in circumstance 
has to have already happened. I can't believe nobody sourced the t-shirt. Nobody? Yeah, Gary. I would expect you to. So I'll just say it right now, Gary, the American Samoa Law School is the alma mater of Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman. There's a few episodes where he's wearing a sweatshirt. <sighs> Everyone's so serious. <laughs> um, all right, Beth, uh, we make $500,000 plus, divorced household, one parent remarried, one not. Both sides make at least $300,000. Most years' income varies, um, et cetera, et cetera. Why even bother filing? The reason to file, yeah? Yeah. Or are you bursting, no. bursting with yeah, information? No, no, no. no one of, just one of us. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go. no, please. Are you? Go. Okay. Really? Okay. There we go. Starting. So um, there's a few reasons why you should still file. One is that your colleges may require that for merit aid. That's, that's not every college, but it's some. Two, you will demonstrate financial strength, which is very attractive to colleges to you know, potentially boost acceptance chances. Another reason, the third one, could be uh, you may not need the money now or qualify now, but you might in the in the future if something goes horribly wrong in your career, like you get laid off or something, and you miss the the deadline to file. And then, because what would happen would be if you made the deadline to file and then you lost all your income or or you got laid off or something, then you could go back and say I need to appeal this. And I guess another reason is if you are possibly looking at taking out loans, um, you need to file fast also. That's right. Even if you're not thinking about it. I would still file a thousand. Um, Some schools have lost an awful lot of money this year. So, you know, demonstrating that financial strength could be really helpful. Harvard. Yeah, they're they're hurting for money. They've lost a nice billion in the last quarter. It's not a great yeah, financial they, they have story. Left, like 60? I mean, they're still the... Less is less. Well, if you become president, maybe you can look at that. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Um... All right, Kathleen Snyder, filling out for my daughter and her twin sister has Medicaid due to being autistic. We have not been able to access or fill out yet. However, we will need to mark that we have a person in the home that gets Medicaid. Does that affect anything? It um, could be helpful, actually. And there isn't a place to specifically check off Medicaid on the FAFSA if you, in fact, and, and many other benefits if you, in fact, receive them. Okay, we are ending. Let's let's consider this last call for questions as we hit the top of the hour. Um, Teresa Oosterbond, one more question about the savings bonds. They mature in 20 years, so most have not matured by the time they started college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever the face value is, is, is the value you report exactly. right, right now. Um, Beth Floor, we can we can barely pay for anything, but it seems like a lot of work for not a huge benefit. We are in Southern California, if that matters. Um, I'm not sure if that's a question, but I would still fill it out because you never know. You know what? And here's the other thing: um, you got to be, you know, a dollar in a dream. You got to be in it to win it. Um, there have been a lot of federal programs in terms of repaying loans that have been established in the last couple of years that are very favorable and could be very favorable to a decent part of the population if their income is in a certain place or the student's income is in a certain place or certain careers that a student pursues that you want to just, in order 
to potentially benefit from some of these things, you need to participate. Um, a lot of times I get the question in terms of loans, like, oh, um, should I apply privately and just do private loans instead of the federal loans? And sure, that's at everyone's option. But then you are also closing yourself off to whatever federal programs are out there that you could potentially benefit from. So that's how I'll leave it. Very nice. Casey Ray, will high medical bills be special consideration? Absolutely. Yes. That's, and that'll happen after you. You could probably have to appeal that after you get a crappy award. Yeah. Then you want to appeal. But that. you would indicate yes in, in that question that asks, do you have a special circumstance, unusual circumstance? Oh, I see some support for you for president. Oh, thanks. And not necessarily of Harvard. Like I was, I guess I wasn't <laughs> thinking big enough. Bigger dreams? Yeah. Maybe you could go the independent route. You and Bobby Jr. GDI, goddamn independent, I'll be. Okay. Were you saying the right. vaccinations with, with Bobby? He's, he's going independent, I believe. He is. Well, you'd be a great pick. Thanks. Okay. Um, all right. Coming in late, How this is from uh, BJ. How is the parent who is supporting the child most determined? Generally, by income. Yes. Um, and it's, it's a little murky. As far as we know, but you have to make the argument that yes. you provide the most support. Right. It, it, this the policy was designed to square the Department of Education with the IRS on this subject, specifically w traditionally when some parent is claiming the student, I'm sorry, claiming their child on their tax return. The thought is that they are more re financially responsible, but there are many reasons these deals are hatched that may or may not actually reflect that financial support. So again, it's a presumption that can be rebutted. You know, I just had a thought, I don't wanna make this about me, but if you do actually come through and become president of Harvard, mm -hmm. that makes me the first gentleman of Harvard. Yes. Okay. You dreaming big, honey? Then I can finally get into Harvard. Um, uh, stay Calabrese. Is there a customer service number for the FAFSA? Yes, we don't mm. know it off the top of our head, right. but it's right there on the website. Good luck. Uh, I think it's terrible, but you may not get someone who's knowledgeable. You won't get Pearl on there. Uh, <clears throat> Debbie Ann, do we need to apply for a new FAFSA ID even if we had one in the past? No, you won't be able to. You'll have to go back into the studentaid.gov site. Do your best to put as much information to, you know, and then forgot my username, forgot my password, forgot this, forgot that. You'll eventually be able to recover it, depending on how you originally set it up. I think we're done. Got right. A lot of thank yous for Stacey and Katie. And uh, thank welcome. you guys for, for being with us. And hopefully this uh, helped you guys. I don't think you're going to get this information from your high school guidance counselor. In fact, I know you're not going to have someone as qualified as Pearl around. Yeah. President Pearl. President-elect Pearl. Presumptive. Hey, that's a nice ring to it. Yeah. I wonder if there's some sort of like delegation or something or, the, you know, vaccine smoky room dealing at Harvard where you could get elected, like a convention or something. I'm going to look into that. I'm sure you are. You have so much time. Um, any any bits of uh, motivational closing comments? Surfboard? Don't. Don't food. stay on your surfboard. Don't freak out. Everyone is governed by the same rules. We're all on the same roller coaster together. It's fine. It's all going to get worked out. Just take it day by day. If you have to wait, leave it. Come back another day. Uh, really, there's don't rush and freak out. No school is even getting this information. 
till the end of this month. So, you know, you can wait. Cool. All right. Words of wisdom. Thanks for joining us. Keep an eye. We're doing, we're doing another presentation tonight. We will not be on there. But um, if you're worried or wondering about which test is best, the SAT versus the ACT, I sent out a different email with the link for uh, tonight's walkthrough. It's going to take about 45 minutes. Our head tutor, Marissa, is doing that. And that should clear up any sort of uncertainty about which test your child should focus on. So that was my big pitch. Nice. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. And bye-bye.